Hey everybody, this is Pastor Chad and you are listening to The Way Radio and today we are going to hear part two of my interview with Ben Blank. If you listen to part one, uh, he was blessed to be freed from the cult of Alcoholics Anonymous and from addiction uh, simply through the gospel of Jesus Christ and his testimony is such a powerful testimony too the power of the word, the power of the gospel. And I just want to uh, share a quote that we closed the last episode with, part one. And Ben said, I was introduced to the concept of God through Alcoholics Anonymous and then walked steadily toward the gates of hell without any, I, without any clue that that's what was happening to me. And I just love that quote because it uh, encapsulates so well what I've been trying to tell people for, for years about the dangers of Alcoholics Anonymous. So welcome again to the show, Ben. I'm so glad uh, and grateful to you for, for coming back on and continuing with a second episode. And what I'd like to do is just uh, let you continue. You really went into your story beautifully last time, and I'm hoping in this episode we can address in more detail and more specifics the danger of Alcoholics Anonymous, how it contradicts Christian doctrine. It directly contradicts scripture from the Bible. And just to hear more about what your experience was in AA, how you came out of AA, and what you're experiencing now since you have left. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Chad. Uh, it's uh, good to be back, and uh, I'm looking forward to having uh, this discussion. So, um, you know, just hearing you um, read that back to me, <laughs> um, I guess it brings me back to to, to my introduction to Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, the, the introduction uh, thing, which um, for anybody that's dealing with uh, alcoholism or addiction, quote unquote, in modern society, um, if you're pushed into the program of Alcoholics Anonymous or you find your way on your own or whatever reason you end up there, um, that is one of the, the, the big issues that comes, comes up is the God thing. Um, some people will say that it's a Christian program right out of the gates. Uh, they'll say that the founder, Bill, was a Christian man, and he would come to uh, some of the very first meetings with Bible in hand. Um, and so th- there, there is that issue as you come into Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, um, when I when I was introduced um, to Alcoholics Anonymous, that, that issue actually was what um, brought me in when I realized that it felt like to me all my, my human thoughts and psychiatrists and uh, attempts at uh, quitting drinking um, and all the other things that I was involved in failed. It seemed like, well, maybe this is the one thing that's just going to work. Um, maybe this is, maybe this is that thing that I've been fighting against. Um, and, and I'm just talking in the sense that that's the way I really felt then. Um, and I was excited and uh, right out of the gates I had uh, one of a sponsor that was uh, he was heavily involved he had six other uh, sponsees um, he basically he told me to call him twice a day uh, if if I had a what I was told um, early on was uh, don't make any grown up decisions without consulting me mm-hmm. and what I found out that meant was don't do anything unless you call me. Um, and, and I actually, um, kind of gravitated towards this. I felt like 
this is what I need. I need to be told what to do, and I need to be told when I'm wrong. And um, so quickly, um, I basically, I think I mentioned that uh, the very first three steps that took place were done in the car, but um, that first step um, is to admit that your power is over alcohol um, and that your life has become unmanageable. But what is involved in that very, very first step was you have to come to an agreement. Um, this is what I found. I don't know what others go through in Alcoholics Anonymous. I think some people skate through, but like I'm trying to detail for you, this was important to me. I wanted to be involved. So it, it, I was listening to everything that was told to me, but that very first step of admitting that you're an alcoholic and that your life is unmanageable with that comes direct quotes and readings out of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I I apologize. I can't quote it, but out of the doctor's opinion, um, I experienced what was where he would read a passage from the doctor's experience, explain my alcoholism to me as being a disease. Yeah. Um, an allergy, you know, so that that was the very first thing that I ran across where he read from that and basically after it was done, uh, or he was finished, he said, Can, do you agree with that? Do you relate to that? Is, you know, and I, I think I even said, that's absolutely me. 100%. I get it. Then um, real, real quick, I'll share just so people are familiar with that. I think we talked about it last time, but from the doctor's opinion, it says, uh, this is from the, the book Alcoholics Anonymous, we believe and so suggested a few years ago that the action of alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy, that the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average temperate drinker. And then it says, all these and many others have one symptom in common. They cannot start drinking without developing the phenomenon of craving. This phenomenon, as we have suggested, may be the manifestation of an allergy which differentiates these people and sets them apart as a distinct entity. Um, one point I want to make there is, is I remember when I was first told that, just like you, um, it helped me get rid of a lot of guilt, a lot of self-loathing, but it also sort of gives you a feeling of being special because you're different than everybody else and you start calling people that aren't alcoholics normies. It's like we're a special group set apart on our own. Absolutely. I mean, it ranges from everything from hearing people in the meeting describe themselves as just another bozo on the bus to pretty much everyone that's listening to this program that's not an alcoholic in in today's, which is... uh, is a sin. I mean, I've, I've come to that real conviction of that sin was the very first thing I realized was, oh my God, this isn't a disease. This is sin. And and that was not just with my drinking. That was with uh, sins that I maybe wasn't even aware I was committing. But anyways, um, anyone, everyone knows somebody that's in the program, I think, about Alcoholics Anonymous. And one thing that I think I even uh, have heard from people outside the program is how come you have to go to these meetings every day? How come you talk about Alcoholics Anonymous all the time? Why is this, you know, so... And Ben, um, sorry, I'm going to interrupt you once in a while just because I want to yeah. make sure people understand addressing the disease concept of AA is hugely important. So what Ben's sharing right now is so important because 
it has been an, a, a, a lie that has been accepted since it was put forth, first put forth by AA in the 30s. And now you've got the American Medical Association trying to claim it is. Um, they've never been able to prove it's a disease. It's not a disease. They really will not let go of that position, really, because it comes down a lot of it to money. Psychologists, these treatment centers can bill insurance companies because they're claiming it's a disease. But if you're a Christian, you're obviously going to want to know what the Bible says about alcoholism and addiction. And if you look at Galatians 5, verses 20, uh, 19 through 21, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul gives us this list of sins. Obviously, drunkenness is alcoholism. And then sorcery, in the original Greek, is the word pharmakia, from where we derive our our term in English, pharmaceuticals. So sorcery is referring to illicit drug use. So it's very clearly laid out in Scripture that addiction and alcoholism are sin. Yeah, and, and, you know, at the time, I, I didn't know, um, you know, I didn't really know much about alcoholism. I didn't know, I certainly, you know, from what, describing my past, I didn't even know it was a sin or related to sin. Um, I just thought I had this bend problem, and I was totally different than everybody else. And then I found a group of people that seemed to be just like me. Um, a lot of their stories sounded like mine, you know, failure after failure. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. Um, uh, just every time, uh, you know, it seemed like something in my life was going, just like the Bill's story in the big book is written in a way where almost anybody could really relate to it. Even if you just change the word alcohol to something else in their life. Um, this and that's why there's that's why there's so many twelve step programs now, right? And it, and it's it's even I mean it, it's even cleverly worded. There's so many words in there that keep keep you reading um, through through his story. And uh, I'll openly admit there was a lot that I related to with Bill's story, probably right up until his uh, white life experience, where he um, I mean he never came right out and said that it was the Holy Spirit, but. The implications, I, I guess, are there, um, but there's also a lot of. If you get into his story, um, it's it's <laughs> it's pretty scary. I think to any uh, being a Christian now, to any Christian, it would just send like you use the term red flags. It's just a huge uh, do not enter. Um, it's just right there is his whole, um, I, you know, everything from having a white light experience to standing on top of a mountain um, to this automated writing of the 12 steps yeah. of uh, recovery um, from alcoholism. But um, yeah, the, the disease thing, right? That's the other thing about uh, what ends up, I, I see and saw happening is that when all the other things that fail um, in Alcoholics Anonymous, I think the one thing that really uh, people don't want to talk about are when people in the program can't get that program or as they say a simple program um, you're even labeled as constitutionally incapable of getting a simple program and, and possibly you were just born 
to not understand Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and mm-hmm. if, you, if you don't get it, you're you're out. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's uh, it, and you see, you see these guys that go back out, and the disease part is what gets them. I think at the very end, it's the idea that I've I was born with a disease. I have a disease. There's, I heard uh, plenty of horrors, and as a matter of fact, um, this is something commonly said um, in AA meetings, which is you are going to walk over a lot of dead bodies. Yeah, I remember hearing that one. Which, um, you know, in retrospect means something to me in a totally different way now. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot of fear. They use fear a lot. There's a lot of death threats. I remember... I had a sponsor similar to yours. He was a guy that sponsored all these guys. He would take everybody to, to meetings in his van. Um, and uh, he was just a, a train wreck, really, the way he lived his life. But he loved to, you know, speak at a meeting. And he would say, you know, out of every five of you, I think it was the odds were like out of every five of you in here, one will, will die statistically. And then he would like point at each one and say, will it be you? Will it be you? Will it be you? I mean, there was always this death and fear factor that just pervaded yeah. Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, and, and the, the one of the big words, uh, you know, if, if you were to go to 30 AA meetings in a row, you would hear the word humility probably a uh, hundred times. I mean, it's a word that's used quite a bit, but there's very little, little humility when you listen to the to the words that are, are used, the... Uh, you know, dwelling uh, in their own mess, um, and I, I was guilty of this. Um, just there's almost this um, pride and ego that goes along with it. And the further you get into the program, um, the egos start to grow. And it, you know, I, I think I mentioned before my very first sponsor when he took me um, to to do the third step prayer and get on my knees, brought me into that chapel that had a cross but uh, there was no Jesus on it because he didn't want Jesus involved. Um, And almost every meeting that I attended with him, uh, which I attended quite a few, he would speak and he would use every word in the book. I'm not going to use them now, but it was part of his um, testimonial, to put it in, in, in short term. I mean, he would share his story and it would just be littered with it. And even, I'll say this, so here I am, um, you know, maybe a month into Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, this huge life event, all of a sudden now I'm in Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, I'm trying to believe in God. I don't understand anything about God. Uh, all I know is that my sponsor seemingly is happy. He's sponsoring a bunch of guys. Um, and right out of the gate, I'm going, but why is he swearing and using the Lord's name in vain? Um, and that persisted all the way through AA. Um, there was always these moments of not just alcoholics that were part of Alcoholics Anonymous, but men of um, some sort of stature in the program that carried some weight, um, freely um, committing sins right in front of everyone in in a, in a way of uh, just very braggadocious, um, reliving mm-hmm. things that they did and laughing. Um, the things that uh, I, let me just clear this up uh, 
I was a part of a, a lot of Alcoholics Anonymous, but there was always this part of me that just, I would see things that just didn't add up to the religious aspect side of it. I guess that's where I was always kind of hanging to. I was always, um, that, that was the spark. Like I mentioned, that was the thing that made me say, I will give this a try because every other theory I had tried, uh, you know, I had failed. So, um, so that, that's the first step is, is coming to that point where you admit you're an alcoholic and, um, anyone that says it rolls off your tongue the first time is a liar. Um, and I hate to be so bold with that, but it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good. Um, but at some point that changes too. But, um, the second thing, uh, I want to point out before we maybe move into what the second step is, is that there's, um, common knowledge that goes around Alcoholics Anonymous that says it's a 12 step program and here's the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous but they really break it up into what they call three parts which is uh, trusting in God which would be basically steps one through three and then I believe it's four through nine or four through yeah four through nine I believe are clean house Mm -hmm. and then the third part is help others Um, in the original a, how it works it says help other people it has been changed to just help other alcoholics but so the context of all this is first part trust God second part you know basically repent uh, is the way they're you know through what I now see as works but this idea that you have to do a moral inventory of yourself and then it's not as important to do it in front of God but it is very important that you do it in front of your sponsor and do it very thoroughly and I'll get into that later um, where that leads to but that first part is trust God so staying on that trust God part um, second step of Alcoholics Anonymous is um, came to believe in a power higher than ourselves um, that was um, for me that was I, I think I took a leap of faith into that without testing any water temperature so to speak I just uh, remember he read me uh, again at that time, uh, I was maybe an hour out of rehab sitting in a car and he's reading me out of this book and he read me some context from, I believe part was doctor's opinion and then it was basically uh, Bill's story. Uh, and looking back on it, there was never any mention directly um, to the fact that Bill found God, um, so to speak, Bill Wilson found God. What it was was uh, him describing to me how he had once been atheist and he started to uh, go to AA meetings. He found his first sponsor and he was presented with the idea, if you don't believe in God, don't you believe I believe in God? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he basically said that to me. He basically said, all you need to do right now is believe that I believe in God. Um, and you and that, that's that was step two. There was about ten minutes, and I was in the step two. Um, and maybe I'll pause here for a second just to, to let you speak, and I'll get a drink of water. <laughs> sure. Um, no, these are such vital and valid points for people to hear because one argument that I hear from a lot of people who profess to be Christian but defend Alcoholics Anonymous is they'll say, "Well, Alcoholics Anonymous is where I found God." Um, if you understand the Christian gospel 
and you understand John 14, 6, and Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You very, you have to admit that the God that you came to learn of and to supposedly know through Alcoholics Anonymous doesn't exist. And that's one of the fascinating things, because like you said, you were told basically just to believe in a higher power, no definition, um, no substantiation at all of who this higher power was, but everybody in the program goes for it. And, and that's why it's, it's a breeding ground for idolatry, because you right. basically make up any God that you want. And as long as you've created some kind of higher power, that's all it takes. And that's why, the, the, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but they'll tell people, you know, a doorknob could be your higher power. You can carry a yes. rock in your pocket. It can be uh, whatever, you know. I, I, there's every every theory that you, you can't even imagine um, comes up. I've heard people profess in meetings that um, they call their God Howard. Um, they call their God, I mean, just they these concepts. And as a matter of fact, one of, to go back to my, real quick jump around one of my sponsors that I, I think I was describing um, the last time we talked to was I mean just everybody you know um, just thought he was the best AA or there was and I remember at one point uh, just being really lost and saying I don't I don't get this God thing I'm not getting this God thing I'm like well I don't get it and he said well let me ask you this he said why don't you just write down everything that you would want in your father. And um, for me at the moment, I just even think about it, kind of touched my heart. You know, it was like, well, wait a minute. You know, and I wrote this whole list of all these attributes I would want for my own father. Uh, and looking back on it, there was really nothing in there that was, um, there was no word like disciplinary. There was nothing. It was just all these beautiful things I would wish that my father would, um, do for me and so I got done and I kind of knew where this was going and he said I read him to him and he, he looked at me and he said you've got your God wow and that yeah, that, that was it that was it I, I had my God and I do I'll openly admit I felt great and it lasted all about two days but uh, that's a whole other story but just real quick to get back to this this uh, came to believe in a higher power um I think that's where the program starts to get um, a little bit sinister. And, and, and what I mean by that is, um, and I, I won't, you know a lot of this, and uh, I won't go into all of it, but this idea of um, what happens in step three and coming to believe in just a higher power, any you know anything greater than yourself, um, it's just... It, it, that is a very dangerous, dangerous place to be. And also, too, you know, like you're saying, this all happened to me within two hours of leaving that detox. And I think it was for a reason. He even said it was for a reason. He said, this is how it worked with me. The first time I did my steps, I did it in a car. So this, there was no, um, and I think where, where that comes from, and I'm just looking back on this, the idea that if you're, if you have somebody that's at a point in their life of a bottom, whatever you want to call it, but they're so desperate that they just want to take the pain away, but they just don't want to keep doing what they've been doing, that's a really great time to grab somebody and and, and sell them into this program. 
Yeah, and that's that's why AA is, is so huge because it grabs people at their lowest point. People really do need help to stop whatever it is they're doing, the drinking, the using, or whatever. Um, that's why it's been around so long. That's why so many people are involved in it. What we're trying to address is the fallacy, one, that it's a disease, and the other fallacy that it's Christian in origin and that people can actually come to know God through it. And that's where it's such a train wreck spiritually. Because when you look at it from a Christian perspective, you know, if you look at step three, it says we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Nowhere is that taught in scripture. That has nothing to do with the Christian faith. Um, we can only come to, to know God. We can only come to understand God through Jesus Christ, through his word, by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, you were talking about how you come to know this higher power as you understand him. And so many people, like I've said, they'll say, well, I came to know God through AA. That is not a big accomplishment. The Bible tells us that there is no such, it doesn't say this, but what it's saying in the beginning of the book of Romans is basically there's no such thing as an atheist. No one who has ever walked this earth has been able to look around at creation and look at the beauty of what God has created and deny, truly deny that there is a God. Atheists are basically liars claiming that they don't believe in God. There's no such thing as an atheist. And, and again, it says in scripture that even the demons believe and they shudder. Satan believes in God. Demons believe in God. I don't mean to, I'm not trying, I hope this, I hope this doesn't sound blasphemous, but it's not a big idea. It's not a big deal for someone to believe in God. You see what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. I absolutely understand what you're saying there. And and also the idea, too, that, um, you know, when, when you're referring to, in Alcos now, they refer to God, and then they also refer to him as him, capital him, you know. And mm-hmm. there, there's, there's some some dangers in the idea that you're, and maybe I'm wrong in this, but the idea that you can loosely, you, I, I hear Muslims use the word God. Um, you know, I, I I think I just saw somebody on TV that was Muslim and said, "You're God." I mean, God as a title, and mm-hmm. um, not like you said. I mean, without bringing Christ into this, how could this possibly be anything related to a Christian program? I mean, it just it's mind blowing to me thinking back on it. Um, uh, that early on period of time where uh, I was just. I was basically doing everything uh, that my sponsor asked me to do to the point where I remember going uh, to a meeting one time and he told me to set up the chairs and he handed me a, uh, a small block of wood that was 12 inches long on it. And I said, what am I supposed to do with this? And he said, when you set up the chairs, put that block of wood in between the two of them and then push the chairs together. And he said, I want everything to be perfect. And I just, the two things went through my head. It was like, this seems very controlling. It seems <laughs> this seems, seems a little bizarre to me, but what I'm getting at is I was willing to do anything, and I didn't later realize that that was, quote-unquote, a hazing ritual um, to basically get me to do something. Um, I later found that out, that um, for, through him, that it was just basically a test. How far will I go? Yeah, um, and they, they say you have to have almost an endless supply of willingness to do whatever is required of you. And, and I was always told, yes. never say no to an AA request. And I remember yeah. 
Like I said, the, the first sponsor I had who sponsored all these guys, he abused that so horrendously because I remember one instance where uh, he wanted myself and a friend of mine, we both had money, to go with him with like five other guys that he sponsored who were younger guys to go miniature golfing and play arcade games. And then when we get there, he tells us that because we have money, we need to pay for everybody. You know, and when we looked at him, like, what are you talking about? It, he basically just said, you never say no to an AA request. You, you've you been blessed with what you have, so you have to share it with all these other guys, you know, and you just do it, you know, and it was this constant, you don't question your sponsor, you never say no to an AA request, your, your chances of surviving your disease and not drinking again are directly proportional, directly proportional to your amount of willingness to do what you're told. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and they, and, and they'll, they flip that around on you all the time. I mean, everything from, um, you know, (laughs) I've been to, to numerous AA meetings that I just didn't enjoy. And if I shared that with somebody, usually the first response was, well, you need to really take a look at yourself. You know, mm-hmm. you really need to take a look. You know, everything was always in defense of the meeting, and that's that's the other thing is there there are two sides to this. There are people that skate around Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. There are temporary people. There are court ordered people. Um, but then you have your AAers, and um, they're the ones that are going to be really talking about doing the step work. Um, meeting makers make it. Um, I mean, you. You go two, three weeks without a meeting to your regular meeting group, and um, you're not met with um, joy and oh, where have you been? How's life been? It's uh, what they call eyeball to eyeball conversation. Um, they pretty much get right in your face and ask you in a very concerned way, "Are you okay?" Yeah. And 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 looking back on it, um, I almost feel a little bit of sympathy for 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 myself and, and these people because I didn't know what I was doing. I was doing that to people too. I didn't realize what I was doing at the time, but I remember the feeling was, how could you be okay if you left here for two weeks? How could you possibly be okay? And the, and, 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 and the reasoning for that is I found in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, I was absolutely at some points crazy and bonkers. I could not function throughout a day without getting to some sort of a meeting um it 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 became in some ways my new addiction um but i guess uh you know leading back to so step number three um is turning your the care and, and your will to the care of god as you understood or as you understand him um that one, that one was done, uh, like I said, the first time was my first sponsor. Um, and I, I, I was on my knees. I, I cried. Um, it, it did feel like there was something taking place. Um, I didn't know what it was, um, you know, then. Um, it, but I, I'll also say this. I took, um, I want to say, three or four uh, third steps throughout uh, my time in Alcoholics Anonymous on different levels, and yeah, and uh, that's a good point to to for people to realize is you may go into the program thinking that you work the steps and then you just move on. 
your whole life is working the steps. You go to step study meetings. You're constantly working the steps with your sponsor over and over again. You're working them with the people that you're sponsoring them. Um, so it's just, it's something that just never stops. You're constantly having to do it as part of the program. Yes. So, um, you know, taking, taking that third step, um, I think is where you really start to, to, to get into this idolatry aspect that I've looked back on. And I always, I, I always knew, um, I don't know. There, there was just this feeling inside of me that there was just something, um, something missing, you know. And and looking back on it, like I said, it was because I was introduced to God. And from that point on, I was, or the concept of God, even the thought of, hey, there is a God. That was that was the very first, you know, blip on the radar. Um, but from there, everything was basically turning me and walking me through the gates of hell. I mean, knowing what I know now, praise Jesus. I mean, I, I can't believe, um, that this is allowed in any Christian church. How anybody could be so blind to what's taking place. And we spoke about this, uh, a couple days ago, but. Hey Ben, there's some kind of, there's some kind of clicking. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, you know, how, any church uh, pastor um, allowing uh, members in the church allowing a program like Alcoholics Anonymous um, into the basement or the side room um, wherever they, they, they hold their meetings but allowing this to happen um, and it's just blatant idolatry it's it's it's, it's, it's just incredible to me looking back that how could this be how could this be it, well it, and that's it, it, what yeah, well, and I think what we should discuss is because last meeting you really went through your story well. You explained how you came to Christ through the gospel, and then you knew you needed to leave the program. And now you've had your eyes open to what you're talking about that the program and, and what's written in its literature is directly contrary to the Christian gospel. What I'd like to do real quick, and then, and then I want to have you talk about that, is for those listening, if they're not familiar with what the big book teaches or the book Alcoholics Anonymous. I just want to share a couple excerpts so people will understand um, what Ben's alluding to. The, the, the book Alcoholics Anonymous on page 12 says, why don't you choose your own conception of God? We've already addressed that. Obviously, you cannot know God unless you come to God and you know God through Jesus Christ. Um, uh, on page 13, that I think it's that third step prayer Ben was alluding to. It says, there I humbly offered myself to God as I then understood him to do with me as he would. I placed myself unreservedly under his care and direction. I admitted for the first time that of myself I was nothing, that without him I was lost. I would ruthlessly face my sins and became willing to have my newfound friend take them away root and branch. I have not had a drink since. Obviously, there's no way that could take place because Jesus is no part of it. There is no forgiveness of sins outside of Christ. Romans 3, 23 and 25 says, For all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Um, the big book, pages 13 and 14 
says, My friend promised when these things were done, I would enter upon a new relationship with my Creator, that I would have the elements of a way of living which answered all my problems, belief in the power of God, plus enough willingness, honesty, and humility to establish and maintain the new order of things were the essential requirements. Again, it's saying you'll have a relationship with your Creator. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Acts 4, 12 says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that we have been given among men by which we must be saved. And then the last one I'll share, and this is just, there's hundreds of these. I'm actually going through the big book myself right now, and I'm going to be adding to the article on our website with every heresy that I that I come across. But page 46 says, we found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It is open, we believe, to all men. That directly contradicts Jesus' teaching in Matthew 7, 13, where he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. That is a definition of Alcoholics Anonymous. The gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are headed for destruction. I just wanted to to input that there. And then, Ben, I was hoping what you could address, too, is since you've left AA... Obviously, these are issues. What are other issues that you've started to find between that show the heresy of AA versus the Christian faith? Um, you know, well, first I wanted to, to say that uh, I, I love uh, talking about this. This is this has kind of become uh, somewhat of my passion too. Uh, on some level, you know, like you described, I do have a special type of anger. Uh, in some ways for Alcoholics Anonymous, but in the way that um, I don't I don't want to see another person have to uh, go through basically what I went through under the pretense that somehow um, this should be allowed in, in Christian churches. Um, yeah, and, and I like I want a point I want to make there to help you back that up too is a lot of people, when you when you call out false teachings, whether it's Mormonism, Alcoholics Anonymous, Roman Catholicism, there tends to be this this idea in the modern church that we need to show reverence to other people's beliefs. We need to um, uh, show respect to their belief system. That's really not in Scripture. If you read Paul, he was brutally honest about what was true and what was false. I love Psalm 119, 104. It says, Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. And I think I can speak for Ben and I both. The reason we hate Alcoholics Anonymous is because it is a false way directly in contradiction to the precepts of God. Yeah. Praise Jesus. I, 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 uh, I want to say, too, that you know, through that experience and, and when I kind of came to... Uh, to your website, like I said, it was I, I googled is AA idolatry, um, and I was I was definitely looking for some answers uh, because I, I felt that I was uh, kind of all alone in this in this thought because the more I continued reading scripture, which uh, had become basically what I wanted to do instead of doing everything I I used to do, you know, I was just completely into scripture what you know what is what is this about and it was coming to me um, pretty clear that uh, 
what was happening, not only was it not Christian, not only did it have nothing to do with Christ, but um, is this even on the level, is this is this witchcraft, is this Satan, what, what is going on here? Because there, there was always, like I said, something off. Um, you know, it seemed like God was mentioned, but that's it. Mm-hmm. The word God, and that was it. Any further... And it was you. You feel the resistance, almost kind of like uh, Jim Carrey in the Truman Show. You know, like I felt like I was being, I was trapped in this. Uh, like if I looked for the answer, I was going to be stopped. You know, um, so you know, I think um, it became pretty obvious to me right away that this was not. Um, holding up to scripture and when I, when I did find your website um, you know obviously these are the words uh, from the Bible but just the way you put them into context on your website and with your story the testimonial the information you had on there um, I immediately realized that I was not all alone anymore there was somebody else out there that felt this way because again I really thought um I'm going through something that I don't know who, who to talk to. Is this is this really true? Is everything that I'm reading in Scripture really true? And uh, more and more and more and more, it just became more and more evident that it, it just did not add up to um, Scripture. Mm-hmm. There, it, it, and another thing, too, is the way I jumped into... Um, Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, I, I guess this is somewhat reminiscent of uh, the way I was uh, after September 29th, what had happened, but um, it wasn't of my own doing. It was It was almost just like, that's all I fed off of was, was scripture, and it, it became so clear to me. Um, Praise the Lord. Yeah, it, 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 was, it was just unbelievable, and and I wanted to talk to everybody about it, to be honest. I wanted to, to go back to AA and um, tell everybody the good news. <laughs> um, well, that's that's my next question. So, did you go to AA? Have you tried to share the gospel with AA or expose what you've discovered? And if you have, what kind of a response did you receive? Okay, so um, I think we touched on this before, but you know, there's a couple things about that real quick um, like I said the word the word God um, will fly in an AA meeting and I also want to say that that depending on the meeting um, even that can be a questionable thing uh, if you speak about God too much or quote unquote sound religious um, somebody secular will somebody that's uh, a Buddhist face somebody that doesn't agree with God um, will probably let you know but if you commit their um, their cardinal sin so to speak in, in Alcoholics Anonymous it would be don't say Jesus um, yeah. <laughs> I, I found that out as a matter of fact you're either going to be called crazy uh, somebody will label you and say you're probably, that guy's not going to be around too long I've, I've watched that happen um, and on a side note I do believe in the 12 and 12 they talk about the uh, or I no, it's we agnostics, and, I, and, and they describe all the different religions that are allowed to participate in this. Uh-huh. But the one religion they don't label is Christianity, which I always found was interesting. And I guess that's the idea that 
you know, this is somehow a Christian program, so you don't need to mention that. But um, in any case, um, since this has happened, um, it, it, it was a very strange experience because before I found your website, um, everything that was coming to me that I was having to discern whether is this is this really what's happening and the further I would read the more it would come to me and so I was going to meetings um, and I, I, I would share at meetings um, about not necessarily what had happened to me uh, I would just share in a way where I, I, I basically thought if maybe I can talk about God and Jesus without them knowing um, <laughs> uh, maybe I can get across the beauty of what Christ did for us um, without them knowing maybe I can get across the idea that being obedient is a good thing to God and obeying God to the best of your ability and not wallowing in, in sin and, and everything else that's taking place um and um, very early on, I, I had a couple people come up to me and say things. Uh, as a matter of fact, one time I, I, I had three women standing around me uh, with tears in their eyes, and, and they said, "Whatever, whatever you got going, you need to hold on to it." Uh, I had another man come up to me and uh, ask me when I was going to take my show on the road. Um, at the time, you know the. I took it very much, I guess, as flattery, um, mm -hmm. which obviously, you know, you got to be a little careful with that. But this man told me that um, from Alcoholics Anonymous, he was 30 years sober. He said, whatever you, you're doing, you know, you, you need to keep on. I mean, it's all pretty much the same thing. Like, you, there's something in you. Mm -hmm. um, and so I continued. I continued to basically go to meetings. Um, I would uh, actually uh, try to add something to it. But it became harder and harder. And this only took a matter of just a couple of weeks. I, I quickly realized a couple of things. One, um, how can I share any of this in this room under the idea that this is the program of Alcoholics Anonymous? What, what I'm going to share is completely contradictory to what you guys are preaching here. This is None of this makes sense. This is faith through works. Um, there's, I mean, there, just you name it. It just goes down the list. I just found myself at a point where it was like, wow. So, I so you, doing so you were sharing about being changed. Yes. But you were not sharing the gospel because you you already knew what the response was going to be. Yes. Basically, my share was uh, something along the lines of, um, I don't know about having a spirit, spiritual experience. I don't know about. Um, any of the things that are described in the big book. Um, you know, if anybody in here thinks that um, you have a disease and you can't control this drinking problem, you're a liar. You know, you have to face the fact that every single time when you picked up a drink or every time you stole when you were a kid or every time you told a lie and your stomach knotted up, you knew you were doing wrong. Every single one of us knows that can't use this excuse anymore so I would start into that but what I would explain to him was that what happened to me was that when this program didn't work anymore I got down on my knees and I asked for or I asked for help and what I did was I said four words I said Lord please help me 
And I said, from that moment on, everything changed. And I said, today, I you know I feed from scripture. This is where my peace comes from. Uh, my sobriety is not based on another man, another program, a sponsor. I don't have to be at these meetings. I choose to be at these meetings, but I can walk freely in you know in my beliefs without ever saying Christ for God. And um, I. I I do wear a cross on my neck. Um, it's very special to me. Um, mm-hmm. It's not—it's not a warning sign. It's not a proud thing. It's just with what took place in me. How can I not do everything in my power to, um, you know, praise Jesus? And I understand at that time I really didn't know how to praise Jesus amongst these people. But what I found was that for the few people that did seem to kind of gravitate towards me Uh, once actually as a matter of fact one guy in particular asked me if he could speak to me one on one and wrote me a message saying that he was dying from cancer and that he uh, wanted to know about Christ um, and that he was scared of the cross I wore and could I meet him Uh, it was a Jewish man Mm -hmm. and I met with this man and I um, told him my story and he was in tears um, and I just said this is what it is he said see you don't need to go to meetings anymore and I did let me just preface this I did say could you please keep my anonymity about what I'm about to tell you because if you just go tell everybody what I'm about to tell you I may get you know I may not make it through tomorrow's meeting Mm -hmm. Um, so I prefaced it with that but I shared my story he seemed very touched by it but um at the end of it, he basically just said, "I can't, I can't do this." Christ thing was basically the end of it. Um, he just said, "I can't believe, I, I just, I can't believe." Actually, the one specific things he said this uh, this immaculate conception part, and he picked another couple parts. And I said, "Well, I said, you know, I can, I can only share what I can share with you." And I said, "You know, this is my story." Um, and that was actually the last time he actually spoke to me after that. Um, but what ended up eventually happening um, was that the more um, that that I sat in the meetings, I realized this is not a place for me to be um, being yoked amongst uh, non-believers. Um, the, the whole idea of of saying our Lord's prayer, um, you know, in a circle with somebody standing next to me that. Um, does not have the same beliefs, does not know the gospel that is possibly just blind, um, being blinded, or even possibly being, um, you know, eyes wide shut, knowing exactly what they're doing. And uh, I just, it just, everything just started to real. I just realized I, I just cannot do this anymore. Um, and what ended up happening was because, because I was in the program, um, for such a long time is that uh, it word just basically kind of started to spread. I started getting um, text messages. Um, usually, it would start with "Are you okay?" <laughs> right. Um, and I'm only laughing because that was the first question I had was, "Am I okay?" After you know, after not what took place in those two days, but the moment I picked up the Bible. And that conviction of sin and understanding 
what was actually happening. I didn't have a disease. It just all of that, you know. It just yeah. I want to I want to interject one thing because you talked about being yoked with unbelievers. A lot of people in AA that that are professing to be Christian will try to defend AA and say, "Well, I'm I'm helping people in there. Um, you know, it's good for me to be in there." It really comes down to are we going to obey God's commands or not? And Paul tells us in Romans six fourteen uh, and fifteen and sixteen, he says, "Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what?" What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said. And he talks about making his dwelling place among us in the, in the uh, following verses. So to participate in Alcoholics Anonymous, like Ben said, you're participating in a religion that is directly contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the Christian faith. Um, so regardless of how pragmatically we may believe that we can go in there and save everybody, um, we can reach alcoholics without having to go to the meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous. And if, if someone feels you have to go, you really have to go in after the serenity prayer is said at the beginning. You would have to share the gospel, and then you would have to say, you know, please excuse me, I'm going to leave before the end of the meeting because it's totally uh, against my belief to recite the Lord's Prayer, you know, holding hands with a group of people that, that despise the name of Christ, usually. Would you agree with that, Ben? 100%. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I didn't mean to cut you off, but, so, okay, so, so so you went in. Now, now you've left. People are starting to realize that something's happened to you. Did you you know, share what happened to you through the gospel with, with any of these people in AA and then what happened from that? Um, well, like I said, you know, um, with, with the uh, gentleman, um, the Jewish gentleman that I spoke with, that was really my only, um, I guess not even attempt. Like I said, he, he, he reached out to me. He basically uh, said he saw something there's something going on the way you described there's something going on inside of you or there's something that I I just want to know like are you really discontent are you really um, at the time I was uh, riding a bike to this meet, riding a bike to the meeting with a backpack on me he described me as being he said are you really this guy that rides around on a bike with a backpack and a bible and um, a cross around your chest I mean is that I I think their part of him really wanted to check me out and see, is this really real? Right. Um, and I welcomed it because I want, I, not, 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 you know, I, I think a lot of times I find myself saying the words, you know, like I, I'm, I'm not bragging or saying I'm, I'm better, but I guess it brings up that predestination discussion we can have sometime, hopefully later. But it sometimes there's, this feeling of like um, I can't take credit I, I cannot take credit for the things that are in my life today the things that I do, the way that I see things um, it, it's just it's a totally different life um, and, and, and I do wonder um, and think about the pre predestination thing because I certainly um, and maybe you had this moment, but it's like, well, how come my eyes and ears were open then, 
uh, when so many others weren't. And I think it does go back to the answer in Scripture, which is, you know, only there, there's only a, a few, an elected few, um, that will be chosen to have their eyes and ears open. Um, well, and along those lines, too, predestination, you know, a lot of people argue about is predestination biblical or not. The word is in the scriptures multiple times, so there's no doubt predestination is Christian doctrine. One thing I like to, to, to talk about, like this Jewish man that you spoke to, a lot of people will have an encounter like that. They were, they were, they will share the gospel with someone and they'll get a response like you got. Well, I just can't accept this whole immaculate conception you know, teaching. I just, I just, I don't know how that could ever be. It's impossible. So that kills it for me. A lot of Christians walk away from something like that and they, and they, and they beat themselves up and they say, you know, I've totally failed. Um, this guy didn't respond. He didn't come to Christ. God's word tells us that it never returns void. Whenever God's word is preached and we share the gospel, that person may respond right in front of us and come to Christ. That person may hear the gospel from somebody a week down the road that reiterates what you said, and they come to Christ. This man has cancer. He's going to be thinking a lot about eternal things in the, you know, as he moves towards his final day, and he may come to Christ the day before, you know, he dies. We don't know, but I think it's a very important thing for people to understand that predestination is biblical. You can't argue that point. Um, it is something that's very difficult for us to get our finite minds around. Who does God choose? Who does he not choose? Who does he have mercy on? And who does he not have mercy on? Um, all we're told to do is share the gospel. And God's going to use that in whatever way he's going to use it. And what I like to tell people is in the world that we live in nowadays, um, Christianity can appear like a very low odds game. You're going to witness to 100 people and you might end up actually spending quality time with two or three and one or two may respond and become believers. You see what I'm saying? Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm really, I'm sharing that for people that are listening that might be confused about how the gospel works. And one other thing I wanted to share because, because we are addressing the gospel. If anybody is not familiar with the gospel message, go to our website, go to the way radio.net there's a whole page on there where we just lay out the gospel message and that's why it's on there is for conversations like this so people can go read that and if you have questions about any of the gospel message on there you know please email me chat at the way the letter r122.org go ahead ben sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you again <coughs> oh no worries um well actually uh, where can we go from here i'm well, I'm I'm really interested to find out how you've been treated by people in AA since you left. Okay, as far as AA members or just in general? Yeah, like people, friends that you had in the program. You know, have people uh, been mean to you? You know, what's happened since then? Yeah, and, and okay. So as far as um, the response that I've gotten since then from. Um, people that I uh, thought meetings on a regular basis or spoke to um, I, I, one thing I, I, I didn't mention was that um, my sponsor at the time right after this uh, accident had taken place um, before being born again um, I had not heard from him 
from that point on. Um, and this was the biker guy who was like the superstar sponsor. Super, right? Superstar, ordained minister, uh, yeah. went to three men's retreats every year, um, which was basically a way for uh, these men to get away, smoke cigarettes, drink coffee, and do the same behavior without having women present so they can say even more uh, disgusting things um, about mm-hmm. Uh, their past or even future or what they're involved in and that, that's a whole other uh, AA retreat story mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but in any case um, yeah he, he uh, cut me off right out of, right out of the gates but um, so after I basically came to this point where I realized I don't think I can do this anymore that is when I reached out and I uh, uh, found your website and that's when I started to talk to you and I quickly realized uh, this is a very dangerous place for me to be. Um, I do not want to be here anymore. Um, so basically at that point, that's when the phone calls started kind of rolling in or the text messages. And uh, they would say, you know, like, are you okay? Um, actually, uh, a friend of mine sent me a text and said, I haven't seen you. Um, I think it had been like three or four days. How Have you been to any meetings? And I text back and said, no. I said, everything's fine. How are you? And he texts me back in all caps, really, question mark, you know, exclamation point. And, uh, you know, I just realized at that point, you know, even in that uh, text, it was like, well, what do I say? How am I, what do I say to somebody that is so, um, lack of a better term, brainwashed in the same way that I was brainwashed into this, you know, it, it became apparent to me that uh, I guess to use the analogy it's kind of like uh, you know you, you may see uh, a bunch of guys working at a day labor place okay um, and the sympathetic uh, heart would say you know those guys are down on their luck maybe I can help them maybe I can give them a full time job you know um, mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is that's the way I thought maybe I could help these uh, you Hold on. I just walked out and a plane came over. Hopefully we can edit this. No, it's not bad. That was bad. That was bad timing. Um, no problem. So anyways, to, to finish the metaphor, so um, the, the, the assumption would be maybe if I give this guy a full-time job, I can help him out. And, um, you know, what you might find out is that that guy doesn't want a full-time job because he may not be able to complete a full week of work. He may know this about himself. And I'm using that analogy because I ran into that um, many times in construction where I thought somebody maybe just needed a better job and I would get this reality check of they they want to be right where they're at. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the truth. Um, so I had to look at it that way and realize that um, – Every time I would have a conversation, um, well, for instance, too, I, I actually still work with the guy that's in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, and our, our friendship has completely changed to the point where we don't really talk a whole lot um, anymore, um, but this particular guy, um, I'd have numerous conversations where he would tell me things uh, about what was going on in his life and as you know being an AA this guy is basically white knuckling it um, mm-hmm. he doesn't want to get a sponsor he doesn't want to do the steps although these are the things that have him in turmoil he talks about it all the time I, I just got to do the steps I can't get it right you know and 
um, we've we've had some some conversations about just life, and um, every time I've gotten anywhere near um, Christ, because he does, he knows now. Obviously, you know, I, I don't go to meetings. Um, he knows this is the path I'm on. If I get anywhere near it, he'll just uh, kind of catch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're about to start going down that road, you know. And I'll go. Well, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't take offense to it. In some ways, you know, I have to. I look at it and I go, I was exactly that same way. There was a point I was that same exact way, and um, again, that, that I mean, the power of what took place when I started reading the Bible. It was just that immediate understand. Everything was. I don't have a disease. This is sin. This is bad in the eyes of God. This is the reason why we were given Christ. This is the reason why Christ gave us life. Here's the reason why he was resurrected. Here is, I mean, everything just started coming to me. I started to relate to Paul's writings immediately. Book of Romans jumped out of me like just insane, you know. But anyway, so so what I found is now that that I've been separated, um, you know, I haven't gotten any... uh, you know, death threats or anything, so to speak. Um, but where I'm at in this town in, in Florida, it, it is a small town. I know I'm going to run into these people. Um, it, it, it will happen at some point. Uh, I happen to live in an area where it's a kind of a retirement community. So a lot of these AAers that I'm talking about are uh, uh, a little bit older in, in, in sobriety and in age. Um, Mm-hmm. But what, what I'm getting at is I'm in kind of a soft core uh, AA area. I'm not like in a uh, bad part of uh, Chicago um, where gotcha. it might be a little rougher. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm not worried in that sense. Um, but, you know, it's it just I, I think it's one of those things where um, if you're just if you if you're not ready if if your ears and eyes have not been open and you haven't been born in the spirit of of Christ how how do you hear this um, and I guess that would be my question you know just to throw it out there to, to you even um, you know you had mentioned you know uh, in your testimony had you been were you actually born in the spirit of Christ. When you were eight, or or were you born when you left Alcoholics Anonymous? And it certainly seems like you were born again when you left Alcoholics Anonymous, the same way I was. Um, but I guess my question would be, knowing what you kind of knew as far as at least reading the Bible, um, and, and again, I you know, pardon me for this, but I mean, would I have been able to understand this any other time? than what took place starting September 29th of 2018 or would have it just not made any sense to me is what I'm getting at with this um, yeah but yeah I mean it's the, the Holy until the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to the truth uh, you know being born again happens before we're brought to believe a lot of people don't understand that they think that we hear the gospel, we analyze it, and we go, yes, I believe this is true, um, so I'm going to accept Christ. And then because of that, you're born again. That doesn't make any sense. Christ would have used a different term than born again. We believe 
because we're regenerated, because we're born again. And from, from your story, uh, I'm, I'm almost certain that when, when you were being told in the Spirit to go to Scripture, to seek truth, that that was the Holy Spirit regenerating you and bringing you to faith in Jesus Christ. For myself, um, I still lean towards becoming a Christian at eight years old, but I severely backslid. And I'm an example of what happens in so much of the modern church when uh, someone comes to faith, but they have no guidance by the church because it's it's so social. You know what I'm saying? Right. What, what could that lead into the idea then, that would that backslide then be, you know, in context of being born again, would that backslide mean that you were basically spirit, dying in the spirit? dying spiritually then you know if you're backsliding from prayer going into the darkness not well you're just you're not walking with christ so you're miserable um but i don't know for sure if i mean i could have been regenerated like you said when i left aa but the reason i always tend to lean towards being eight years old is because i remember it so vividly above other things in my childhood i mean to the look of the Sanctuary when I was baptized to the Sunday school room when I was I heard the gospel and I made a decision that I wanted to to follow Christ, um, but it's it's I think it's one of those things I won't know for sure until until I'm with the Lord you know and there's people who know for sure when they were saved and I have other friends that that, that just aren't sure it was more of a, a process and I think maybe that's how it was with me you know. Um, well, and, and some of that I, I have looked at and I've, I've gone back and, uh, you know, for a long time I, I would uh, protest to be, you know, atheist. Um, but when I look back at, especially my last couple of years, um, it, it wasn't so much that I, I believe I was seeking, uh, but I do believe that um, what, what ended up eventually happening to me, like you said, it was there were certain things that were just taking place. I was starting to see things, um, even before, I guess now, um, that just made sense. It was like, well, wait a minute, this just doesn't add up where, you know, where, where's the, um, where's the story of God? Where, you know, at that time I only thought God, I didn't know anything about Christ. I, I'm saying that, I want to reiterate that because that to me, outside of understanding the law of God and being the creation, He created everything, uh, and that we we let Him down. We sinned right out of the gate, um, and because of that, we received Christ. And obviously, you know the gospel. But it just—I don't know where I'm even leading into. No, I think it's. I, I think one thing we make a mistake with nowadays is we try to look. We try to put a date. On our salvation. When was I saved? And I forget who I read. I've got the quote written down in one of my journals. It may have been Spurgeon or Augustine. I can't remember. But I believe that Christ can, he can bring us to himself through a season in our life. And that season may be a day, it may be a week, it may be years. And, and that's what I was alluding to. I think I was brought to Christ through a season of trial and, and suffering. Um, with you, I think it's different because, you know, what I loved about your story is, like you said, you, you, you were reading the scriptures 
Anna said you were con- you, you admitted you were convicted of your sin. You knew you had sinned before God. You needed to, to have salvation from that condemnation of your sin. And that's when I knew you were a true believer when you shared that with me. Um, but I think one thing Christians nowadays have to realize is our, our regeneration might not always be in the twinkling of an eye. It might not be <laughs> quickly. Maybe something Christ works in us because we're all different. He does it differently in each person. You know, like at the end of the book of, of John, you know, when um, uh, Peter and Christ are walking down the beach and, and, and Peter says, well, you know, what about him? And he points back to John and Jesus says, you know, what if I've chosen for him to to not die and, and just to, st- I forget the exact wording, to stay? He says, you follow me. You know, he was telling Peter, just worry about your walk and what I'm doing in your life and I'll take care of John. You see what I'm saying? And so we all have a we all have a, a, a different walk with Christ, and I think we all come to Christ in our own unique way that Christ has, you know, written for us before the foundation of the world. And I, it's just uh, it's beautiful to hear all the different ways it happens. I'll, I'll share that with you real quick so I I get that right. Um, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And so I think that's one of the things I love about Christianity is it's not cookie cutter. Everybody has their own, you know, story of how they came to Christ. Um one last thing because we're over we're getting to like over an hour now I want to just real briefly talk about we mentioned last time celebrate recovery and um, quite often people will try to defend celebrate recovery and say well it's Christian you know we, we took the 12 steps but we we don't really use the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous we use the Bible um, I want to share this is from the introduction pardon the rustling of paper to the Celebrate Recovery Bible, which is just a train wreck because they take the 12 steps and a bunch of other stuff and try to blend it into the Bible. But it says uh, about the Celebrate Recovery Bible, accustomed to a traditional 12-step program and hesitant to make a switch, the good news is that the familiar 12 steps remain intact under the Celebrate Recovery model, except that the vague language about a higher power gets specific, focusing in on the one and only true higher power, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So they try to justify the 12 steps by saying that they're based on Christ, but anybody familiar with the Celebrate Recovery program realizes that the gospel is not presented as it should be, as it is in Scripture. We don't need the program. We don't need 12 steps. I'm just... I wanted real quick to get your opinion on Celebrate Recovery, because in my opinion, I've had people ask me, listen, I'm in a state that's forcing me because I got a DUI to go to a 12-step meeting. I can either do Celebrate Recovery or Alcoholics Anonymous. Which do you recommend? And I tell them, if I had to go to one or the other, I would go to Alcoholics Anonymous because I know exactly what I, it's very clearly heresy. It's apostate. I can sit there and close my ears and realize that I'm in the devil's playground. Celebrate recovery is more sinister because it's the same thing, but it's got a Christian label on it. You see what I'm saying? And I, 
and 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 I think Celebrate Recovery is actually doing more damage from a Christian perspective than Alcoholics Anonymous because they've just taken it, taken the twelve steps, and marketed them as Christian by trying to mix in Scripture. Okay, um, so let me just preface this by saying that um, my experience with Celebrate Recovery started also right after September 29th of 2018. And the reason I kind of separate the two is, I think for good reason, like you just described. Um, this, and, I, and I'm not going to pretend that I have uh, more knowledge of Celebrate Recovery than I do. It's very limited. Um, I did go to a Celebrate Recovery program. Uh, it was a meeting, I want, I want to say about three or four years ago. Uh, I didn't know anything about it. Uh, I didn't even know it was a um, Christian program. I didn't know uh, that there was 12 steps in it. I, actually, a friend of mine had me go see a uh, well-known speaker, um, which it, 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 here's what I remember. It was about 25 minutes of rock music, literally um, uh, drums and uh, electric guitars, rock music. The guy that came out to speak came out singing Garth Brooks song uh, I Got Friends in Low Places Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't remember hearing anything about Jesus Um, all I remember was thinking like wow this is kind of a different program Um, I don't understand it Uh, I left with that friend and I kind of asked a few questions but I really didn't understand it with a 12 step program Um, he didn't tell me um, so I just want to say that but so, um, through everything that was that I've already described and uh, we've gone through, as far as with uh, what happened to me afterwards on that, I believe it was a Friday, um, five days after um, the car wreck, where I went to um, the pastor um, at the church that I'd rec- been recommended to go to, and when I told him. Um, what was going on with me I said is it possible you know for me to um, be sober is the way I was saying is this this, am I sober now is this or what is this more Um, Mm -hmm. is it possible without AA well the first thing he told me was that uh, Alcoholics Anonymous he said did you know that Alcoholics Anonymous is actually a Christian program and I said well no and he said well he said it was uh, the founders were Christian, Bill Wilson was Christian, and uh, there's 12 steps, much like the 12 apostles. Um, and I just remember, I, I was very, this was five days after, so the, I'm only three days in the scripture, mind you, at this point. But and and I have to interject, that that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard about. <laughs> because no, there's 12 bad. steps and 12 apostles, I'm sorry, I, I've, I've heard a lot of justifications, but I never heard that one, so go ahead. <laughs> that was, that was <laughs> and um, and I said I, I said listen I I don't think you know you understand what I'm here for is clarification you know I'm very new here but I know something has happened and I know it's not that other principality because he's been talking to me for a long time I know what that's like but this is something else why am I reading scripture why am I falling in love with this that I'm reading what is this. You know, and uh, so, anyways, he then circumvented to. He said, "Have you heard of Celebrate Recovery, CR?" 
And I said, uh, is that Christian recovery? He said, no, it's called celebrate recovery, <laughs> which is kind of ironic uh, in some ways. Um, but in any case, he said, have you tried that before? He said, that also is uh, something that you can do. And I said, well, what is it? And he said, well, they meet on Sunday nights and there's dinner. Um, and he said, there's worship, um, which to him apparently means a lot of music. Um, so in any case, um, he recommended that to me, which I was, you know, kind of like, okay, well, I'll try that. You know, that's with well, Jesus. Let, let me make one point here that's, that's so huge because we've talked about this off the air, Ben. What he just shared is a glaring example of what is wrong with the modern church. You've got a man coming to you who is basically setting you up, pitching you a soft pitch to please help him understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ben was literally coming in there for clarification. I mean, as pastors, we should be sharing the gospel every time a door is open for us to share it. And this pastor, who's in a leadership position, I don't know this guy, I probably shouldn't be picking on him, but it's a glaring example to me of the modern church because he recommend, he tried to say AA is Christian, which shows he knows nothing about it, it's demonic, and then he tries to point Ben to celebrate recovery, which is the same thing as AA. Did he ever preach the gospel to you? No. Okay, that, that absolutely I, blows my end, mind. Well, at the end of at the end of our discussion, he, he said, you know, I get a lot of people that come into my office and talk to me, he said, but a lot of them don't have the, um, what you have inside of you. And he said, you know, I think you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And he said, would you pray for me? And I said, okay. And so I said a prayer for, um, and I don't know if that was, if he was testing the spirits. I, I don't know. But right. I said a prayer in any case. So anyways, from that point on, but this was a, a Friday. I guess if I get my, I'd have to go look at my notes. But so from that point on, um, it was probably about another week until yeah, it was about a week and a day, and then Sunday rolled around for uh, celebrate recovery. Uh, it was at the church, same church. Uh, also in attendance were, were two friends of mine that were not in the program. They were part of the worship team for the church so they did the music for celebrate recovery so they were there um, and what I found out was I, I got in there and I the moment I didn't understand what was going on but after the music they put up 12 steps of recovery and celebrate recovery and I knew right then and there I want nothing to do with this this is just another 12-step program and it, what it also led me to feel was unsafe I realized this is what the Bible is telling me that I have got to not only test the spirits but be super careful where you walk because again there was that conviction of realizing like you said I just sat down with the, the general manager of this church quote unquote and came to him basically not desperate, but just, hey, is this really going on? Like, is this really real? Is everything that I'm experiencing real? This is incredible what's happening. And to, to, to go to him and have basically push me away is the way I was kind of feeling. Um, but I did feel a little bit tricked at the time because it was like, how did I end up back a week later? And I'm sitting in another 12 uh, 
12-step program, and all I wanted to say is, does nobody believe in Scripture? Does nobody understand the Bible? Am I reading a different book? No, the, the, the authority and the sufficiency and the inerrancy of Scripture is, is totally either rejected or unknown in so much of the modern church. And I'm going to share a quote here. Um, it's from Rick Warren. If you're not familiar with Saddleback Church, with, uh, with Celebrate Recovery, it was started at Saddleback Church. It was written by a guy named uh, John Baker. He took it to Rick Warren as his pastor, and Rick Warren agreed that, that they should you know, launch this 12-step program and have something that was Christian. And during Rick's uh, Road to Recovery series of sermons, this is a direct quote, referring to Alcoholics Anonymous. He said, in 1935, a couple of guys formulated, based upon the scriptures, what are known as the classic 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and used by hundreds of other recovery groups. 20 million Americans are in a recovery group every week, and there are 500,000 recovery groups. The basis is God's word. The reason I share that is because that's the thinking of the lead pastor at the church that started Celebrate Recovery, making the claim that the 12 steps are based on God's word. If you've read anything on our website, you've read anything Ben and I have talked about in these two episodes, you realize that when Rick Warren stated that, he was either ignorant about what he was talking about, or he had to be flat out lying. There's no way the 12 steps were based on God's word. It's ridiculous. Well, and, and again, like, that, and that's pretty much where where I came to the conclusion that there's just no way you can profess to be a Christian, be involved with Alcoholics Anonymous, have anybody that's close to you involved in Alcoholics Anonymous without trying to share the gospel with them, um, to participate, to go to meetings. I mean, there are a lot of people that are going to these meetings, professing to be Christian men, um, and just... Blatantly, blatantly. I mean, it doesn't take long to 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 listen to somebody to understand that they are not in the spirit and they are not Christian. Um, and it, this is happening in some churches four times a day. They're having meetings. You know, by seven o'clock in the morning. This is one of the things I've been thinking about. Is uh, some of these churches will hold AA meetings. It's the early bird meeting uh, yep. that they call seven o'clock, and if you don't believe me, go to a, uh, uh, not a closed Alcoholics Anonymous meeting and listen to what is taking place between 6 and 7 a.m. or 7 and 8 a.m. before most people are, have even said their first prayer. Uh, there is idolatry. There is, uh, on some levels, witchcraft. There are some levels of Satanism, just the breaking God's first commandment. Uh, these are all taking place in churches all over the country, all over the world. Um, and my question is why? Uh, it, it certainly can't be the rent money. Um, it's either complete ignorance or you know exactly what's going on. Yeah, and if anybody wants to see how dangerous it is, I mean, I wrote a fictional story about this. It's called, Is Alcoholics Anonymous the Devil in Your Church? It's on our website. If you go to the way, or you go to recoveryreformation.org and then go to the page called Exposing Recovery, uh, there's, a, there's a story on there. Is Alcoholics Anonymous the Devil in Your Church? And it's about a guy who goes to a church for help. They lead him into an AA meeting, and 
He dies a few years later, going to that church a couple times a week, and he never heard the gospel. That's horrific. Ben, I want to I want to wrap it up. Let me make I want to yeah, yeah. I'll let you close, but I want to share one thing. If you're in ministry or you're even a Christian, you got to understand 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17. It says all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God's word is sufficient. It is the ultimate authority. We don't need anything besides it. And one other point we need to make is recovery in the modern church has got to stop worrying about getting everybody sober. Nowhere in scripture are we said, told to be chasing alcoholics and drug addicts around trying to heal everybody. Um, we're told to preach the gospel, share the gospel. Those that are going to respond are going to respond. And those are the, the ones that we will work at in discipling them up in the name of Christ. With that, I'll let you close it up, Ben. Well, and I'll finish with just saying that, you know, trying to get somebody sober is a human problem. That's a very humanistic thought that uh, being sober from alcohol, the disease of alcoholism, it all plays into that. So I think if you're looking at it uh, from a spiritual context of a sin, uh, nowhere in the Bible does it say that uh, alcohol or that being a drunk uh, constitute you being born that way. You're not sanctified through your DNA, um, it's it's a complete lie. But here's what I'll go to is, you know, I prefaced all this with saying that I was introduced to the concept or the idea of God and it led to the gates of hell. But I want to share one thing that popped out to me, which is Corinthians 11, 14, 15. And it says, and no wonder for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise as disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Um, this goes right into even Bill's testimony, Bill Wilson's testimony of um, being exposed to this bright light. Um, and it just, it gets it gets more and more demonic the more you look into it. Um, and for anybody out there listening, I would say take a look at it, but for anybody claiming to be a Christian, understanding the gospel, please pick up your Bible, go back and read it, and hold it up to the to the light of Scripture. The book of Alcoholics Anonymous is not what it's professing to be. Yeah, and every point that we've made today exposing AA, you can verify in Scripture. None of this is, that's one thing we got to make a point of too, is none of this is our opinion. You know, Ben's not giving his opinion about AA. He's talking about testing AA against scripture. That's what we're told to do. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and again, I, I, I will say this, how, and, and we can, we can cut it off here. Maybe you can answer me later, but how did I get to this before my pastor? How did I come to this understanding in such a matter of short time, just by just, I didn't even get through the book of Genesis to understand and be convicted of sin. You know, so how could anybody that's involved with Alcoholics Anonymous say that they're a Christian and either not be absolutely lying and, and just deceitful on some level, or I guess just claiming to maybe have read the Bible and never did. I, I don't understand how, again, I mean, 
mean, I certainly, like we're discussing, if someone came to me and said, hey, man, I think I might have found God, the Holy Spirit, whatever, but the uh, desire to drink has been lifted from me, and this is how I've been reading Scripture, I would be so enthusiastic to talk to them and to share the gospel in the same way you did with me, nurture me in the same way and say, here, continue to feed off the word. You never told me, hey, just don't have a drink today. Meeting makers make it. You know, I mean, it mm-hmm. just, it's mind blowing to me that anybody would point somebody to Alcoholics Anonymous unless it's under the context of just pure, pure ignorance. But it certainly seemed to me within a matter of half of the book of Genesis understanding this is not the disease. This is sin. And it just all got better from there, understanding what sin was. Amen. Praise the Lord. And it's 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 the power of the word, it's the Holy Spirit taking that heart of stone and replacing it with a heart of flesh, so that you will be called to believe in the true God, to trust in his son for salvation. Um, and that's what happened to you. And to answer your question, that's a question I've been asking myself for over 10 or 15 years now. How could so many, even in leadership positions, have so little understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ? You know? And well, gonna... I, I wouldn't even have been able to say what I just said even um, a month ago. It, it's My eyes have been open. Everything has been coming to me. But the reason I wouldn't have said what I said was I, didn't, I wouldn't have felt... Uh, confident I guess enough in where if I weighed myself against like the world's view of like well you, you've just been born again and here's a guy that's a pastor at a church maybe he was born again 18 years ago and maybe I shouldn't say certain things but I cannot get over this idea that anybody is going to Alcoholics Anonymous or supporting anybody in Alcoholics Anonymous and is a believer in Christ how? Yeah. How? It can't happen. It hey, just can't happen. Yeah. <laughs> it just can't happen. <laughs> no. Praise the Lord, buddy. Hey, I'm going to wrap it up. I thank you so much for coming on for these two episodes, and I- I'd like to do some more in the coming weeks um, and delve into some more specific topics you know, that we could yeah. discuss because I think this is really going to help people. Um, but God bless you, brother. It's It's been a, just an awesome blessing to get to know you. I know we'll continue to, to communicate and grow closer in fellowship as, as brothers in Christ. And um, you are in my prayers. I know the Lord's going to do uh, just some amazing work through you. So just stay on the narrow path and seek him. And uh, again, just thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. I, I, uh, I think back when I sent you that, that email, you know, and it's, I, it it just it was it was absolutely meant to be. I just I knew I I I have to talk to this guy. <laughs> Praise <laughs> the Lord. I have got to talk to him now. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Way Radio. You can find us on the web at thewayradio.net. If you'd like information on Recovery Reformation, you can go to recoveryreformation.org. If you have questions or comments, please feel free to email me, and you can do that to chad at the way, the letter R, 122.org. God bless you until next time.